0: we're doing communion now we're going to do communion um, before we go to kids, kids ministry and our great message by Pastor Dennis we're doing communion, thank you sir you know uh, that was communion wasn't it I mean we just communed and thought about God and listened to God's voice through his spirit through people you know when we when we're we getting we're getting the elements and thank you again, Ryan, for your service to give the elements. Just so you know if you've never done this before, on the top is a wafer. On the bottom of the wafer there's some grape juice. Uh, the the wafer represents the body. The the grape juice represents the blood of Jesus. But in thinking about communion, when I was asked to do the communion, I here's what I thought about it. And, and come come think with this. Think about this with me. I I was thinking, okay, so Jesus died, right, and they were shattered. They were totally shattered. But then he came back, right? He rose again three days, and they saw him. And the first question they asked was, will you now restore the kingdom? And he said, no, no, I'm not doing that, you know. And then he stayed there 40 days until until he ascended. And he said, wait, wait. And then, of course, we know the Pentecost since Acts 1-8, and that all changed the world. But I was thinking, when did they eventually institute the communion? Now, I'm not a historian, but I don't know, but I'm sure it was very closely after that. Maybe somebody can correct my history. And it's not in the Bible to know that fact, so I don't think I have that one. But they had it, and, they, and it, when the book's Acts said they had communion together, there's the word communions in there. But I'm thinking about if I was there, I would say, guys, let's remember Jesus. Let's remember what he did. And they would probably go back and say, I remember that dinner. Remember that dinner? He said we were going to die. He he was going to die. And he rose and rose again. And he said, eat my blood. Or drink my blood and eat my my flesh. And let's remember it. So I thought about these two verses, and I'm going to share real quick about communion as we take these these elements. And just think about these verses. It says in Malachi 3.16, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. I think that's communion. Like as people, what do we talk about when we go home? What do we talk about in our life? What's, what really matters in our relationships is that we have Christ, that we talk about him, we think about him. That's our communion. We just worship the Lord in this amazing you know, spirit and truth moment. Really, we're going to be in heaven one day. We're not going to be flesh anymore. And that's communion. We just celebrate Christ. And we take the elements and we celebrate. We commune. We say, wasn't it great who he was, what he, what he did for people, how he healed people? And he just like melted in that joy. And they thought about it. Before you eat and open it up. Last point here. So, when we think about everything we do, I love this verse, and a lot of people don't know about the book of Philemon. It's a really small book, right? It's like, I don't know, 20 verses maybe. It's one of those books nobody talks about. But I love this verse in Philemon 1 6. It says, That the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you is in Christ Jesus. The New King James kind of says it like this, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you within Christ Jesus. I remember reading that when I was first, like, a Bible college student, and it said to me, you know what the greatest thing you can do as a Christian when you talk about your faith? is just say, everything I got is because of Jesus. The money I give, the clothes I wear, the house I have, the friends I got, it's Christ. It's all about him. So, as we eat this and drink, think about that. It's Christ. It's all about Christ. So, you gotta eat the elements, drink the elements. thank you Jesus thank you Jesus we're here because of you we, we live we breathe because of you we have our being we have our existence because of you every breath we sing worship because of you we love because you first loved us all that we have is yours Lord thank you for reminding us every day today And now. So bless the rest of the service. Thank you again for the elements, for your body, and your resurrection. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, pass the uh, elements in to uh, Mr. Uh, Ryan and kids. Pastor Dennis probably wants to do it. No, I don't want to do it. Kids, line up. Pastor Gary's waiting for you guys. (laughs) Line up, kids. Hey, what are
1: you guys doing here? I mean, thanks for being here, I mean. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> I mean, there's a welcome packet for you in the back, all right? Free cup of coffee. <laughs> Wrong turn. Hey, uh, praise God. It's good to be be here, isn't it? So we got Seth and Sam here. This is a great couple from Baltimore. Uh, and uh, yeah, so yeah, yay. Good, yeah. We have uh, Jackie came again. We didn't scare her away the first time. Thanks. Well, Leanne and Jay are here. Yeah. we just gonna, Pam Greaves is here. Yep. Yeah, Grace. Grace is here too. Grace, is this your first time here? <laughs> no. Grace has been sick. Uh, we have Michael in the back. Let's. Hey, it's Michael's first time, right? And uh, Jill, I, I, sorry, ma'am, I forget your name, but what, you want to introduce your friend? Lauren. 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 Yeah, Lauren was at our worship night last week, so. Hey. Hey, and guess what? You're here. Give yourself a hand. <laughs> oh, you got, you got uh, Justin here. Yeah. So Justin goes to FCC, right? So they played, uh, they ha- he plays basketball, they played a game yesterday in West Virginia, and he single-handedly won the game. Is that how the story goes? Yeah. No? <laughs> oh, but he did score. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's good to have uh, fun in the house of the Lord. Uh, just so you know, hey, we're an active church. We, we do a lot. And we also, we do have some superheroes in our church. You guys know that? Yeah, we do. I mean, I was thinking about it yesterday. I mean, you guys know Pastor Gary Thornton. Isn't he an amazing guy? I love Pastor Gary. So he, I was busy yesterday, you know, drinking lots of coffee and eating salad. So I couldn't go to Reston, so he and Lisette went to Reston, and they, they were there with Tarlin and his family, and uh, they did a Bible study there. Amazing. And now he's here this morning teaching Sunday school. Isn't that awesome? And guess what he's doing after church? He's teaching Ephesians chapter 1. Isn't it amazing? Guess what he's doing on Thursday night? He's teaching, I forget what we're teaching, but he's teaching again on Thursday night. You know, so, I mean, I can just hang up my hat and go home, you know? No, we we have a (laughs) superhero. Hey, I know where you live. (laughs) Hey, no, we have, like, amazing people in our church, and, um... And I'm just so thankful for everybody here. And you, know, all of us, uh, right, we all work full-time, don't we? Uh, we? We give what we can to this church uh, energy-wise, and God is doing something amazing. And the Bible says do not—I mean, I don't consider this small. Some of you might. Um, but, you know, but don't, it says don't despise the day of small beginnings. Uh, and if we can kind of stick together and have fun together— We're going to be like sitting in somebody's living room next to the fireplace, telling some funny stories about each other, you know. Most of them will probably be about Adam, but (laughs) no, no, that's what, I mean, right, if if that's what could happen, that's what we'll be doing, and it's amazing, it really is. Uh, So, I mean, I I started this whole conversation like we're a busy church, so yesterday uh, we were at a marriage conference um, on Kent Island. And I was like looking at the crew. There was like a Baltimore group there. There was a group from uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, a group from York, Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, Kim Shibley was there from New York, actually, young Kim. Um, And who else was there? I'm looking because, huh? Oh, yeah, Pastor Wombolt from Massachusetts. Yeah, you guys were there. Thank you. So it was an amazing time. We had a lot of fun, and I was like sitting there thinking, like, why didn't we announce this in our church, and why didn't we go? <laughs> you know. So I think next year we're going to try to bring a little contingent of people, and, and make sure we're rebunctious and have some fun there, because it was a really, it was an amazing venue, uh, good food, the word was great with Pastor Schaller and Pastor Doug, and a great. Uh, we played some like games, and there was prizes even. You know, if you're lucky enough. So it was a lot of fun. So, hey, let's open our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 41. You guys doing well? How, how many of you guys need the Bible today? You do? Okay. Because if not, we'll put the Bible away and we'll just open up psychology today or something, okay? <laughs> hey, Michael, we do have a Bible. You need a Bible? Yeah, we got them. Yeah. We got you a Bible. We'll get you one after. Hey, so, uh, yeah, we need the Bible. Every day we need the Word of God because uh, it, it adds to our life. It changes our hearts. It changes our walk with God. And you know what? I could have everything under the sun. It could all be in my possession. But I don't have God. And I am empty, right? Then the opposite is true, and we read this often in the Bible that people are without. I mean, Psalm 23, a famous psalm, right? We are in a valley of death, but God is with us. We read it with Abraham as he's wandering through the desert that God is there. We read it with Moses for 40 years. Leaning, uh, leading some stiff-necked people. Guess what? God is there. gives him strength. Joshua going into the promised land without Moses. God is there. David going in against Goliath. God is there. Uh, Ruth and Esther. Amazing stories. And guess what? God is there. Against all odds, what do we read? Uh, over and over and over and over again that these people had God in their life, and they could do Philippians 4.13. They could do all things because God strengthened them, right? So here is another story that I really, really love. It's Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 10. And it says, But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest regions and said to you, You are my servants. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will bless these words we want your word to speak to us, your thoughts to ring in our hearts. We don't want the words of man, we want the words of God. Because those are the words that change his lives. We pray that today, that through the word, that there could be healing. Through the fellowship, that friends, friendship could be made and, and unity could be there. We pray for people that have uh, problems that's through the word of God, you could begin to solve some of those issues and help us as we um, become victorious in our life to never forget who gave us the victory. So often we get a victory over some problem in our life and we pray to God to help us. And after the victory is won, we forget about God. Lord, just never let us forget about you. Keep us humble. Keep us your servants. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I really love this passage, and it's amazing because, not because of what it says, but because of what it says and the context that it's in. And this is why I love the book Jeremiah and Isaiah so much, because the context isn't about a faithful people. It's not about a strong people. It's not about a people who have a great walk with God. It's actually the opposite. Uh, these books are written to a bunch of people who have made decisions again and again and again to leave and forsake God. <laughs> Has anybody done that? Yeah. I don't have a choice. I have to come here, you know. But Maybe if I didn't have to, I wouldn't be here, you know. No, I mean, it happens that we could... Uh, make decisions against the will of God. We could make decisions against the character of God, and we could do it again and again and again. And we could actually make decisions based on personal needs versus our spiritual desire, our, our spiritual needs. Right? The Bible calls that. Sub, I mean, not the Bible, but psychology calls it sublimation. When you have an issue. You distract yourself from the issue, but you have never really dealt with the heart, right? So, so oftentimes in our life, what are we trying to do is that we're trying to have a quick fix to the issue, and oftentimes that is not God. That is not dealing with the heart. That is not going to church. That is not reading your Bible. It is, you know, and fill in the blank. We all have our things that we run to to make ourselves feel better. And this is the kind of people that God is writing to, yet he uses these amazing, amazing words to describe people who are in the midst of refusing to repent to God. Let's turn to a couple of chapters previous, Isaiah 30, verse 15. And this kind of describes, it drives home this idea of the obstinance that Israel has towards God. And I really want to drive that idea home because this is so important for us to understand that at times that we are without God, we have zero capacity for God, we have zero strength, and I am refusing, right, to run to God. I am refusing to repent. So Isaiah 30, verse 15, it says, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. That's a good verse right there, right? How can you be saved from your problem today? How could you be solved? Uh, how could you uh, be saved from you know your captivity? How could you be saved from uh, depression? How could you be saved? Again, fill in your own blank. How could you be saved by returning to God and having rest in the arms of God? You know that is true today. Whatever your issue is, God's arms are wide open, and they are waiting for you to run to Him. But listen to what it says. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. Isn't that amazing? You would not. You would not what? You would not run to God. How did you get to Israel? How did you attain the land? How did you attain your riches? Jacob, how did you attain the authority that you have? How did you attain? How did you become so successful, Israel? Well, I did it myself. We defeated the Amorites. We we defeated the Pezazites. We defeated Goliath. We defeated all these. We did it. No, you did not. God said to Israel, I have chosen you not because that you were great, but because the very opposite, God says, I chose you because you were weak. And that through your weakness what shined? The strength of God. So in the midst of their refusal to repent and their refusal to return to God and their refusal to rest in the hands of the Almighty One, we have Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 10. And how... Does God describe Israel? Listen to these words. He says that they are my servants. Are you kidding me? You're my servants? You're running around serving other gods? You're around serving yourself? You're running around doing this? But no, God says you are my servants. Then he says, Jacob, whom I have chosen. What does the word Jacob mean? Do you guys know? Deceiver, Deceiver, supplanter. Bible trivia, coming to Mount Airy. (laughs) We had some Bible trivia games last week, or was it last week? Oh man, it seems like it was so long ago. (laughs) Yeah, and the old guys won, right? That was what we learned? The, The old people, the old people won. The young Bible college students lost. Yeah, they're still studying, right? We'll give them a break, all right? Andrew wasn't there, so we'll... You know, if he was there, it would have been a different story, right? <laughs> yeah, it, Jacob means supplanter, deceiver, and he's saying, "But I have chosen him." And then it says, "Abraham is my friend," and he's using these words to describe a people who are unrepentive towards God if that's not the definition of grace, if that's not an almighty God, if that doesn't give me a great capacity to crawl to Jesus if I have to, if that doesn't change my perspective of who God is, and it doesn't change my walk with God, then I don't know what can. Because every other religion that you study, there is no God that ever describes his people this way, period. Forget about an obstinate people who refuse to run to them and repent. But here is a God who is so loving, who is so caring, who is so forgiving, that in the midst of their refusal to repent, in the midst of their refusal, and they're going to go into captivity for seven years, in the middle of that, he still calls them with great affection. And many of us are standing here today because we experience that in our own lives. Right? We never, ever would be here today if we did not experience that kind of God in our life. One who had affection towards us in the midst of our trouble. One who made decisions that, for me and towards me when I was making decisions away from God. When we are in the gutter, God is there. When we are, I mean, David said it, when I make my bed in Sheol, when I make my bed in hell. Meaning when I make decisions that are so far away from God's will, and I decide to walk away from Him, and I am there, He is there with me. And that's what I love about the New Testament. The New Testament says over and over again, three times very specifically, that the Holy Spirit is here, sealed in my heart. He is here with me, meaning that if I decide to skip church, God is with me. (laughs) No, you shouldn't skip church ever, right? That's what I should be saying. No, Do you know, what? God is bigger than this building. And I don't have to sit here and wonder, where is so-and-so? Because if they're not here, God can't speak to them. That's interesting because that kind of is true, right? Because this is like amazing what we're hearing today. But on the other hand, the Holy Spirit can speak very clearly. And I could sit on my, belt, my bed at night, my head on my pillow, and I could hear the voice of God correcting me, admonishing me, edifying me, forgiving me, loving me. I could hear the Holy Spirit at night in my house. Right? how, how is that so? Because God has affection towards me in the midst of my refusal. And I was just I was just I was loving that. Isn't that amazing? Does that encourage you today? I mean, I try to come as much as I can, right? I try to do, I try to be the best Christian. I try to work as hard as I can. But do you know what? We're never strong enough, actually, are we? <laughs> I was talking yesterday. Like, I, I enjoy uh, rock climbing, so I go to the indoor gym sometimes. And you know, and I'm not bad at it. You know, I I can do it. But I am like approaching 40 years old. And somebody said the other day to Ryan, he says, you know, Pastor Dennis isn't bad for an old guy. I was like, what? You know, actually, I'm better than most young guys to tell, you know. <laughs> but, you know, this guy, he's, what, how old is he, like 20 years old? 19. So I am old, you know. He's 19 years old. He's, you know, Pastor Dennis isn't bad for an old guy. But you know what? I, I'm not bad, but I get to a point where my strength runs out. I am unable to do anymore, I'm not able to hang on, I lose grip and I fall, and, and, I, and I get back up and I climb again. You know, we do it over and over and over again, and, and it's fun. But do you know what? My strength runs out. What is this message saying right here? Right here, this is saying that God understands that we do not have enough strength. We do the best we can. We read our Bible. We get up early and we pray and we do and we do and we do and we do and then all of a sudden we crash and we fall asleep or we fail and we can no longer do anymore. That happens in our life, doesn't it? Like I, I, I'm like, oh wow, I'm going to go on outreach with with Stephen and I go and I go and then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? This is like, I don't want to go. Something happens in my in, in my um, in my in my psyche in my emotions where I just don't want to be there. I don't want to read my Bible, I don't want to follow God, I just wanna watch a movie. I you know, I don't I don't want to do this. Our strength runs out because oftentimes we find in our experience our flesh can be so much stronger, and that pull to run away from God is so real. And I'm not condoning sin. But I am saying that God has paid for our sin, and God is bigger than our sin, and our lives are not defined by our failure to act, but our lives are defined by our ability to believe in God. And that's why this passage is so amazing, because he continues in verse 10. And I love this word it says, Fear not. Isn't that amazing? It's so simple, isn't it? How many times does the Bible say fear not? Yeah, that's what I've heard, yeah. I was like trying to, think, is that true or not? Then I, I saw arguments that it doesn't, that it's not, but then I heard that there's actually more. But you know what the point is? Is, yeah, uh, who, who's actually the, the one guy who said that? There, he went into prison, and as he was put in the paddy wagon, this was either under the Russian or the underneath Hitler. I forget which one. Huh? Was it Brother Andrew? So Brother Andrew, just before he's going to go into prison for, being, for preaching the Bible and loving God, you know, under communism, he's put in the paddy wagon and he's laughing. <laughs> he's la- you know, all, all the Gestapo are there ready to take care of him and he's laughing. And they're like, why are you laughing? Because today is a day. Every day of the year it says, you shall not fear. And today is a day, so I'm not going to fear. Being dragged off to prison (laughs) by the Gestapo, you know, and he's in prison. But do not fear. This is one of the most amazing and most simple phrases in the Bible, but we do not understand it because we don't ever live this way. The Bible says, and I want to read this, the, Bible, uh, the fear that the Bible tells us to avoid, okay, it says we are supposed to avoid this fear, is concerned with mix of anxiety or dread. It is the feeling of alarm we have when we are expecting trouble or danger. That's what fear is. Fear is a mixture of anxiety and dread. It is an alarm that we fear, that we have, when we expect trouble or danger. Here's Brother Andrew. Is danger happening to him? Yes. He's going to prison. You think it's going to be like, you know, fun in prison? No, it's not. No more, you know, no more pizza, no more spaghetti, no more lasagna. You know, it is terrible. And he, there, is, there, there should be fear there. But he is without fear. Why? Because the Bible says that as a believer... We are not to live in a state where we are constantly feeling anxiety. The Bible says, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. It says it over and over again. And it says that God has a higher, well, that we have higher expectations than simply anticipating trouble. Meaning this, that so often in our lives that we have anxiety, we have depression, we have fear. Why? Because we are constantly anticipating trouble coming our way. I mean, the end of every month, I am anticipating trouble. Electric bill, BGE bill, mortgages due, car payments are due, you know, Verizon bill. I mean, all the bills are due. And I look at my, you know, what's left? Am I going to have enough? You know, there could be fear. Fear. How about driving here on 695? I mean, for those of us that come from Baltimore, 695 is terrible. I mean, I, th- I, I think I'm going to get an accident every time I come here. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, you know. But there could be fear, right? Or the economy, there could be fear. Or this, you know, spy balloon that just got shot down, there could be fear. What are the Chinese going to do? What are the Russians going to do? Uh, what's going to happen with my chickens? You know, why are all the chickens in the world dying? Why are eggs so expensive? I mean, are there reasons to have fear? Yeah, there are. Some of them are small. Some of them are big. And the Bible is saying that we have such a greater expectation than fear. Where does our expectation come from? It comes from God. So if my expectation is not from God, then where is it coming from? Is coming from something that is bound to cause fear in my life. But the Bible says, fear not, fear not. The, Bi- you know, the Bible says, and we know this verse: 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. What does it say? More Bible trivia. I have a cookie in the back, if anybody gets it right. It's been in the closet for six months. What does it say, Calvin? Yeah, we have not been given the spirit of fear, but of love, power, sound minds, meaning that my brain is functioning. (laughs) I am not paralyzed by the fear in my life, and not only am I not paralyzed, but I have the power of God to overcome the thing that should be causing anxiety in my life. I don't have to care that I'm going to prison, Brother Andrew is saying. It doesn't matter to me because of God. Is it going to be fun? No. But God is my expectation. So I just want to mention really quick, I'm I'm looking at a clock. I'm learning how to look at my clock, guys, okay? Of course, I don't know when I started. (laughs) I just know when I'm supposed to (laughs) end-ish. But what happens when fear enters into my life? This is, this is really amazing. Let's go through the Bible and let's look at what happens when fear enters my life. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24. Lots of Bible verses today, Kevin. I'm going to read slowly. 1 Samuel 15, 24. So here uh, is the first king, right? Of, of Israel, King Saul. And uh, he is learning to rule, rule a nation, and he was chosen by God and by the people. And he was actually anointed, and he prophesied. In the beginning, he was a very good king. But what does it say here? He, he, he's going to make a sacrifice, but, the, but Samuel told him to wait. Wait until I come, and I will make the sacrifice. But, you know, Samuel must be, you know... You know, we were at a table the other day at the marriage conference, and there was like a bunch of, you know, you know she said they're Latinos. There's like American time, then there's Latino time, and I, don't, I forget, then there's Delgada time, the Delgadas. You know, so they're always late, apparently. So, you know, Samuel was late. They were on like Delgada time. But look what happened. Saul says, and Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice see what happens what happened to Saul he feared the voice of the culture of the peers of his nation he feared them so therefore he did not obey God you know if fear enters into our life do you know what's going to happen we're not going to obey God God's going to say something, and we're going to ignore it because of fear what other people might say. Is it uh, popular to be a Christian today? Oh, yes, it is. But, <laughs> don't talk about this, 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 <laughs> this, this. You know, Don't talk about anything, actually. <laughs> you, know, it, you can be a Christian, but keep your dogma to yourself. You know, there's a lot of things the Bible teaches us, and we have a lot of convictions about it, and we're going to say something about it because it is in the Bible, and it is against the will of God. You know, And it might not be popular, but we will say it. We will say it in love, but we will say, we will speak truth. Why? Because we are not afraid. We do not fear. We do not fear what the people say. We have truth in our life. You know, this is amazing. Do not fear what people say. Do not even think about what they are, what they are saying. Because it doesn't matter. What matters is what God says, what God thinks. The next one is in Luke chapter 12, verses 6 through 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount, right? Anybody watch The Chosen, the episode when Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount? Wasn't that fun? Yeah, that was, that was cool. This is part of the sermon here. Let's read it. It says, Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? You know, here Jesus is saying the importance of something that is so small, meaning that these, were, were, these animals were used for sacrifices for the poorest of the poor, that there was a provision for the poor people to have a sacrifice. And they're sold, you know, and on a, on a special day, they're even cheaper. But they're not forgotten by God. See, what happens when fear enters into our life, we begin to pursue the provisions of this world and not the provisions of God. And that's what Jesus is saying there. You know, do not, do not, the, the, flou- the flowers, right, they don't worry about what they're going to wear, The birds don't worry about what they're going to eat. He he kind of continues in that. It says that these things that God has created does not worry about those. So how should you? Jacob, you're my servant. You are chosen. You are called. You are my friends. But you are going to pursue the things of this world because you are so concerned about your material well-being that you're going to ignore the voice of God? You no, know, this isn't a message that is anti. You know, be successful, but this is a message where it's saying, when this thing becomes the priority of my life and it gets in the way of my relationship with God, God says, "You are fearing. You are fearing." There are many things that we should not do or we should not care about. Why? Because it it, it is fear in my life if I pursue those things. It can be right. It can be. Now, on the other side, you know, take advantage of being in America. Work hard and, you know, get rich. It's fine. It's okay. Make your money. Buy your cars. But at the same time, if you are pursuing that and neglecting your walk with God, it is because you do not trust him to take care of you. Do not fear. And the last one is Psalm 37, verses 1 through 2. This is, I mean, I think the list could grow, right? But these were some things that I thought of and as I was reading the Bible. Let's read this here. It says, Do not fret, do not fear because of evildoers, nor envious of the workers of iniquity. Verse 2, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. You know, it is very possible that in our life we can be fearful of people who do wrong right we could be fearful of wrong or evil doers and uh, i i mean i i want us to be careful um just as christians in the day and age that we live in and concerning politics i just want us to understand that no matter what happens god right we can exercise our right to vote we can exercise our political opinion but do you know what god because God is in charge of the rising and falling of kings. God is the one who is in charge. And if there's somebody that we don't like, if there's something that happens in our, in our nation that we, are, that we don't agree with, and it is far from God, and that's what's happening in our, in our nation right now, it is going further and further away from God, and we are being crippled by evil people. But do you know what? Because of those evil people, I can stand here, and I am not afraid. You know, I don't care what the president does or 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 the military does. It doesn't matter to me in one sense because I know, I mean, I know, you know what? I know that this is not my home. I know that more importantly than me being American, I am first a child of God. And these are the things that I can think about and these are the things that causes me not to fear in my life because I know that I am God's servant, I am chosen by God, and I am his friend. So why should I ever have an expectation that somebody's opinion is greater than the opinions of God? How should I ever have the expectation that God isn't going to meet my material needs? How could I ever have the expectation that my government or the people, my boss, could be evil and it could overcome me? I should never have that expectation because God says in verse 10, Isaiah 41.10, He says, I will strengthen you. I want to read this quote by, by, by John Newton. It says, John Newton said this concerning fear. It says, if the Lord be with us, we have no cause to fear. He says, his eye is upon us, his arm is over us, his ear is open to our prayer, and his grace is sufficient, and his promise is unchangeable is that a great quote? I'll read it again. If the Lord be with us, we have no cause of fear. For his eye is upon us, his arm is over us, his ear is over our prayer, and his grace is sufficient, his promise is unchangeable. What is Newton saying? He is saying that God is the one who is with us, and God is the one who is strengthening us. You know, on a daily basis, how are we strengthened? Usually, number one, we get up in the morning, hit the snooze button like seven times, and then what do we grab? A cup of coffee. Coffee. I'm trying the Jersey accent. Did I do it okay? No, that's not right. All right, I grab a cup of coffee. Why? <laughs> Why? Because it gives me a little bit of motivation. It gives me that ability. You know, in my field, everybody has an energy drink. Why? Because it gives you that little bit of extra oomph. You know, we come home from work, and what do we do? We reach, we go to the refrigerator, we grab food, and we sit on our couch and relax. And we say, "Man, that has been a hard day." And what am what am I saying? Oh, it's been a hard day, meaning like I need some rest, I need a break, I've run out of strength, and the answer is yes, we have. <laughs> it's exhausting. But what Newton is saying, that we should not fear because God strengthens us. God goes above and beyond anything. This word, to be strengthened, means two things. One, it means physically. And we believe that God can give you physical strength to make it to church. God can give you physical strength to you know, get rid of that cough, right, Grace, and, and be here. God can give you that strength to come on a Thursday night. We have Thursday night Bible studies. I think we're going to start having food on Thursday nights to make it a little easier for you to come after work. So you just eat something. Yeah. Miss Grace is volunteering to cook spaghetti every single week. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, somebody volunteered to make food, and we're going to take turns, and we're, there's going to be food here. But you know what? God can give you the physical strength, but here's also that God can give you the mental strength, meaning that like in your soul, in your spirit, he can give you the capacity to look at something and say no. And say, no, God could give you this courage. God could give you the fortitude. God could help you to prevail. God is the one who could do it. You know, when we look in the Bible, what do we see? We see again and again and again how men of God, women of God, when they put their eyes on Jesus, what happens? That they are strengthened. Acts chapter 9, verse 22 Saul increased the more and more in strength. First Samuel 2:26, "The child Samuel grew in stature and in favor with Lord and men." Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, "Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man." It happened with David. it happened with, with every single person in the Bible. What happened is that they increased in their relationship and strength with God, giving them the ability to go through the valley of death. God never promised you that you'll be out of the valley. God promised that he will strengthen you, that he will make you a table in the midst of that, that you, in the midst of the trouble, can have communion with the Father. And I just want to mention, I, I, I want to say, that, I say it sometimes, I just want to remind us that sometimes when we're in that valley, we are very alone. We have an amazing church here, and I love all of you. And we, we try to call each other, we try to help each other out, but sometimes it doesn't happen, does it? And I feel alone. Does that, is that the church's fault? Is that you know, the pastor's fault? You know, I just want to think about it this way, that sometimes God removes us from the church and we are in that place alone because he wants to reveal his strength to you personally. It be very easy for me to say, you know, man, Stephen's amazing. He encourages me so much. And he does, doesn't he? I mean, singing today. I think we recorded that and we're going to send it to Tabitha today. <laughs> you know, uh, you know that, that is true. That happens, right? But do you know what? Sometimes I need to understand and be humbled and be reminded that God is the one true source. It happened with David, right? He encouraged himself in the Lord. He was alone. God gave him 600 you know, mighty men to fight with him, to be side by side, and they were with him a very long time. But God took them away at one point, and he was discouraged. He was in the valley. And what happened? He was encouraged on his own in his walk with God. Sometimes that will happen. Because you have to lean on God. You have to. This is what the church is here for, to help you lean on God. It's not a crutch for you. It is not an excuse for you. It is to teach you how to walk with God. And at the end of the day, what would happen if the government came in and said, no more church? What would happen? Many people would not ever go to church again. You know, we still have friends in China. In this past in April... This past spring, 50 SWAT team members came into our church and shut it down. And there are still people who are living in fear and will not go to church. But there are some who just smile and laugh. (laughs) Fear not. I'm going to church. I'm going to take a different route every Sunday to church. We're going to walk in at three-minute intervals, and we're going to come in, and we're going to whisper our praise. We're going to whisper our prayers, and the pastor's going to whisper his message, and then we're going to have some rice and some, some food, and we're going to eat. It's not racist, guys. They eat rice, okay? Don't laugh at me. <laughs> and we eat, and then we're going to go, and we're going to praise the Lord. Right? Why? Because I do not fear. I do not fear what is happening in this world. God is the one who strengthens me. One last Bible verse, if you guys can manage. Psalm chapter 84. And I'll read this. I'm not going to say anything after. We'll pray. Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they, cut and they make it a spring. Isn't that amazing? They make those dry places springs. The rain also covers it with pools. And listen to this. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. You know what? We're going to go from strength to strength, aren't we? Why? Because our strength is in God. Amen? So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's word. We pray that in our weakness, with our feeble knees, and our knuckles dragging on the ground, that we can be strengthened by you, that you become our courage, that it is in you that we find strength, and teach us not to fear, teach us not to think these thoughts and be concerned with the things, but only, t- only let us understand and be more concerned about the thoughts of God towards ourselves, towards our circumstances, to our family and friends, to, the- to our enemies, to our co-workers, that you would teach us to think with you, Lord. And as our walk with you increases, that we can continue to be strong and rise in the face of opposition. We just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.